We've just been so worried about our son. He's going to Princeton in the fall. Well, I've heard of it. You know, we tried everything to bring him out of his shell. He doesn't come out of his room. He doesn't talk to girls, doesn't drink. So when you say date him, do you mean date him or date him? Yes. Date him. Date him hard. Okay. I'll date his brains out. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, is here. Happy Final Four weekend. Happy WrestleMania weekend. Happy uh, Indictment Civil War II kickoff weekend, I guess, Mike. <laughs> and uh, happy, let's stretch this series to eight episodes. <laughs> uh, midpoint. Not even. We're not even at the midpoint yet. This is part nah. three yeah. of what's going to be an eight-episode arc. Didn't you say it was going to be three in episode one? Well, we knew we were going to have a couple of specials. Like, we were going to have box office futures with Eric. We were going to have the top ten feared with swells. But, you know, we've always had a couple of specials. Now we're going to have a couple more specials. And now we're going to have a five-part lead-in of the pictures. Because we have have to at this point. And therefore, it's going to be an eight-episode series. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing today, covering the films of the pictures upcoming in 2023 of Sony, STX, WB, IFC, and Movie. Uh, we will be previewing all of those, giving you what we know about those in this episode. Our last episode covered Am- Amazon and MGM's offerings, as well as Apple's, and what they're doing with Paramount. Our episode one for the year in preview series covered A24, Disney, and all their uh pieces that they have putting themselves together as well as G kids and Lionsgate. So we're going studio by studio, letting you know the biggest offerings and shaping the Oscars picture for 2023. Something that probably won't be an Oscars movie. Mike, you saw Dungeons and Dragons last night. Yeah, I would wonder about VFX, maybe having a shot in a less crowded year. I would guess it's not going to be in there, but the cartoon the cartoon creatures were well animated, I thought. But yeah, we just talked about Paramount, as you said. And uh, this is a Paramount hit, another one, it seems like. Hopefully their second of the year after Scream. And, and D&D is funny. There's some clever twists to the action here. And, it, and it's a good hang in terms of a quest movie about some, some goofy characters, which has been hard to pull off uh, for a lot of these... Uh, big tentpole type movies in terms of the lighthearted action comedies they haven't been working especially in this genre all that well of late i mean thor love and thunder tried to go this this lane and it didn't really work for a lot of people but i do think this dungeons and dragons honor among thieves worked quite well and 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 maintaining a tone that was fast and snappy or a tempo that was fast and snappy and a tone that was ultimately more funny than 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 heavy and yeah they dodged the bullets that have been in this genre mike your highness warcraft (laughs) two ends (laughs) of the spectrum uh that dungeons and dragons avoided but i mean it didn't necessarily rise to like the princess bride or i would even put like guardians of the galaxy volume one as two fantasy comedy action epics that that worked on another level so it's not there but this is solid entertainment dungeons and dragons so I give it credit. Two hours and 16 minutes kept me engaged. B-plus all day. Same grade as John Wick 4? B-plus? A little le- a little less than John Wick 4. John Wick 4 had some you know, th- issues with the plot. This had, I would think, a, a, a better story. It's more of a quest story. It kept me guessing a little bit. I'm also a friend of this genre, so I've seen these stories done so repetitively the same. For, for, for years and years and years, especially with a trickster or a bunch of trickster heroes. 
So I, I like how they had some twists and turns here. So that was fun. There's a projection that says this is probably going to sniff 40 million for its opening, which means it's going to be a hundred million domestic player. That's got to be good news uh, for Dungeons and Dragons. There was also a great bit on James Corden where Chris Pine and uh, uh, Hugh Grant there did the spill your guts or fill your guts thing where they have to either answer ridiculous, embarrassing questions or eat some gross like bug filled porridge and stuff. And it's always <laughs> nice to see two dapper gentlemen like that be forced to like take down a tarantula leg. So that was nice. Ew. <laughs> well, Hugh Grant was was a lot. He he was a lot in this movie, and he still he still pulled it off. So I'm I'm glad we've had a lot of good Hugh Grant performances. The Gentleman was another big one, and uh, yeah, he's he's Paddington too, of course. Of course, Hugh, Hugh Grant has had some. He's had some great years recently. So he has. More he's a, yeah, more of a, a Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant Assance has been coming on too, and he's kind of. He talked about that too on on the James Corden bit, where he was like shedding his old like you know what he used to be and what he is now, which was kind of cool to see him uh, evolve as a human and an actor in that way too. But all right, let's get to the slate now. Talking about Sony and Columbia and their offerings this year. Uh, there's a couple off the top here that we don't want to go too in depth on, but they do have a full slate of offerings. No hard feelings is going to be a Jennifer Lawrence movie coming out in June. Uh, Harold and the Purple Crane, which is based on that 1955 uh, children's book, which has been, I think it's been adapted a couple times. It's like a cartoon or whatever, but Sony is going to have a, a, an offering of that on the 30th of June. Gran Turismo gets their film adaptation on August 11th. The Equalizer 3, Denzel is back in that role on September 4th. Uh, September 4th, that's not a date. September 1st is when that movie comes out. And <laughs> Craven the Hunter, which we think is going to be part of the Venomverse slash Spiderverse that Sony is offering, uh, that's slated right now for in October 6th sixth release this year michael all right so you got to click play on one of those five movies right now who you hang up with me and you got to click play which is it i don't know what no hard feelings is but i do love jennifer lawrence um mm. it's probably either the equalizer three or craven the hunter though but okay. i'm obviously trepidatious about any marvel spider-man bad guy offering since morbius <laughs> <laughs> yeah morbius had uh had, had some entertainment value, though, I would say, especially for It had TikTok. some moment. Like, there was some decent, like, FX, and, like, the fight scenes were, were not terrible, but I don't know that we're, you know, <laughs> I don't know that we're... Jared Leto and comic books maybe need a divorce. Maybe. Uh, I, I will say the Jennifer Lawrence movie looks funny. I, I watched that trailer, so, yeah. Oh, is, okay, a... so that's that movie where she's trying to seduce the kid? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not a kid. Yeah, he's a kid. <laughs> yeah, he's a kid. Pedophile he's the movie. Pedophile. <laughs> it is a different look of Jennifer Lawrence. That's, I didn't realize that we was are, that movie. I did see that preview. We are off to a hot start, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. You're right. I'm assuming uh, he's not a kid. But yes, I let's he, hope I think that he's, a he's a, of, of age. Yeah. Let's, let's, I, it let's has see. to be. Otherwise, it's not a movie, right? right. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, or that's true. Maybe. <laughs> At least not a studio film. <laughs> so you want me to date, date, date him, date the shit out of him. <laughs> I'm going to date the hell out of him, yeah. It is a different look. for I, I That's got to be like cathartic for her to take a role like that to where she's just kind of having fun and playing totally against all these uber serious uh, characters she's had to be. Yeah, there's going to be morals to the comedy, but yeah, it's she's going full tilt with the comedy, so I'm I'm in. Uh, but they do have uh, some more Oscary content, at least we would say. So let's let's dive into it. They have the Outrun, uh, Saoirse Ronan, Stephen Delane, director Nora Fingshite of System Crasher, which 
wound up being an Oscars contender there, but the unforgivable, which was touted as an Oscars contender, didn't happen with Sandra Bullock and Viola Davis a couple years after uh, System Crasher. But the outrun has a premise that reads, Rona, fresh out of rehab, returns to the wild Orkney Islands after more than a decade away. As she reconnects with the dramatic landscape where she grew up, memories of her childhood merge with the more recent challenging events that have set her on the path to recovery. So I remember you and uh, Andrew, formerly of the Noncast, there are buddy, t- like pounding the untitled Nora Fingshit shite project into my head over and over again, like it was one of your brother's favorite indie rock bands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a good name for a indie rock band we had mentioned, and it gave us the unforgivable with Sandra Bullock and Viola Davis. Not a not a forgivable movie. <laughs> I, w- I would agree. So yeah, I don't. I mean, how do you feel about this one? Well, now I'm gun shy. I'm gun shy of of heralding the the project mm. because Nora Finkshite just kind of really, really missed the mark on her last one. Uh, it, it seems like a heavy premise again, so she's got to handle it the right way. It, it does have a great cast though, uh, with Ronan and, and Delane. So you never know. I mean, he he as Stannis Baratheon was one of the best acted <laughs> Game of Thrones characters. So that's that's the, I, I'm in. Anything he does, right. so the outrun's got a chance in my book. We'll see. Hey, Nora Fingshite not going the Netflix route as she did for System Crasher and the Unforgivable in this one either. We could talk about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part One. Star Shamik Moore he voices Miles Morales, Haley Steinfeld, Oscar Isaac, Jake Johnson is back, Asa Ray, Brian Tyree Henry, Rachel Dratch. Big cast attached to this one. Jason Schwartzman, Daniel Kaluuya in it as well. Jorma Tacone. Miles Morales catapults across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its very existence. When the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. So these trailers and these clips that I've been seeing from Spider-Verse 2, they are nuts. Mm. Uh, and not necessarily in a good way. The, the multiverseness might be reaching its capacity in my brain right now. I know yep. you've been sighing yourself with the, how WB is mm-hmm. going to go there for a film or whatever, time jumping, whatever they're doing in that one. Obviously, Marvel's done this to us. It's Marvel's fault. Are, are you concerned that this is going to be fatigue for this movie, or do you think Spider-Verse 1 was so good, this one's got to be At least Spider-Verse well? 1 use that as the premise for its entire existence you know so it's not like they're backing into it movies films later as like a get out of jail free card while they wrote wrote themselves into a corner with like the whole premise of spider-verse one had to deal with the multiverse so i'm more forgiving with it in this aspect right it, it is a Spider-Verse in the title, so right. I, get, I get you there. Anyway, we do have, uh, thanks to Eric Weber at Awards Ace, some early animated uh, category favorites. Spider-Verse 2, How Do You Live? We talked about Miyazaki there. Uh, Wish from, from the Walt Disney Company. Those are probably the big three. Elemental just got a new trailer from Pixar, mm-hmm. which looked okay. It looked better than the first trailer, sure. let's say, the teaser. The Super Mario Brothers movie, if that's a hit, you never know. Trolls 3 or Troll 3. Trolls 3 is the bad one. Troll 3. Correct. <laughs> Wait, no, this is... Troll 3 is the bad one. <laughs> yes, Troll... I looked up Troll 2, and it was the 1990 horror sequel, and that's not the one that we were going for. Trolls 3 is the singing and dancing happy. Anyway, uh, Netflix has five. I've just watched The Magician's Elephant, 
which I can never remember if it's the elephant's magician or the magician's elephant. And now I'm doubting myself. Either one would be appropriate. I also think you're higher on that movie than most people are because it did not get, have a great meta score or review score. I liked it. I thought it was cute. I, it was really nice to look at. Anyway, I kind of half-ass watched it. But Chicken Run 2, Leo, Escape from Hat, great title that you've loved, mm. Nimona, those are all Netflix put uh, animated features migration from universal spellbound from apple suzume from crunchyroll and sony here we'll talk about it a little more in a second but uh, animated feature has some heavy hitters at the top uh, i'm just wondering you know if, if it's going to be as deep a year as it looks to be not only heavy hitters but movies that could be huge at the box office too as we talk about this new reinvigoration towards theaters that all these studios have like Spider-Verse 1 was an almost 400 million dollar movie worldwide almost 200 million domestically Spirited Away from 2001 did over 350 million yeah. worldwide back in 01 there uh Encanto which was the Walt Disney Animation Studios last offering that wasn't Strange World, uh, that did 256 worldwide. Lightyear from Pixar was considered a disappointment. It still did over 200 million worldwide last year when it was released. The Super Mario Brothers movie, it's going to do better than what Sonic 2 did, you would think. And that was a $400 million movie worldwide. And Trolls 3 has Trolls 1 to go off of because mm. Trolls 2 was released in a pandemic. And Trolls 1 did about $350 million worldwide. So it could be a huge year for animation, not only at the animation feature category at the Oscars, but also just animation box office. So if you had to put a over under on Super Mario Brothers right now, 500, 500 million. Half, you have to go over. You have to go over. Hmm. I mean, I that movie I would think in China and Japan that movie is going to do huge if it's released there. Yeah, could be. Do you think Chris Pratt does an accent in each one? I'm so <laughs> Like, so I want to see Mario so badly, and I'm every time I watch those previews, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> at that it's voice. Hard. It's harsh. It's it's almost, it's almost. Uh, who's the bad guy from Avatar? You should know this. Oh God, James Cameron is his name. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole. We've been down here before, uh, but there's some been there's been some bad Italian accents in recent yeah. uh, film and television. Let's just say, but his might be the worst. We'll move on to the book of Clarence. This is written and directed. By James Samuel of The Harder They Fall. The Book of Clarence stars Benedict Cumberbatch, James McAvoy, Lakeith Stanfield, Alfre Woodard, Omar Sy, David Oyelowo, Michael Ward, Tiana Taylor of Look 2001. Look at these casts, Mike. Anna Jopp, R.J. Kyler. Tremendous cast. Yeah, for, this is like the third or fourth movie in a row with just name after name. And this is an interesting project. Now, yeah. there's some... High degree of difficulty to the Oh, book you of think Clarence. so? <laughs> a down on his luck Jerusalemite embarks on a misguided attempt to capitalize on the rise of celebrity and influence the Messiah for his own personal gain. The journey leads him on an exploration of faith and an unexpected ca uh, path. Now, I've read a lot of good buzz for this from our pundits uh, that we follow quite a bit. They're on the beat. Clayton Davis has the Book of Clarence, making it to, in his best picture top ten. However, this seems like a satirical take on the Bible story, no? I have no idea how to read this. I don't know who in that cast is the Jerusalemite. And how they're going to influence the Messiah through celebrity? I can well, it's see. It's got to be Clarence, right? Clarence is the Jerusalemite. Is this a comedy? Well, that's is who's this a who's drama. I didn't look at the IMDb page. Like, who's is it? Is it Benedict Cumberbill? Is it Lakeith Stanfield? Like, who's going to be that person? And what does know. it mean to influence the Messiah through celebrity? I could see this being about the praising of false idols. 
But like, if this is a movie in a script which is actually going to turn Yahweh into a literal Kardashian, I could see people having a problem with that. You have to strike the right tone if you're yeah. going to do some religious satirical comedy, especially about the the good book. There, uh, we just watched, or I just watched, History of the World Part Two, mm. and good God, did some of it hit, and mm-hmm. good God, probably the wrong non sequitur. Did some of it fall flat on its face? They're doing like a curb your enthusiasm parody for the for the for the Christ story, and it, and then they and then they went to oh god they did a, a Beatles Get Back documentary version of it, and it sounds funnier than it was. Let's just be honest. Sometimes a movie takes sixty years to get made because it shouldn't be made. So they got to hit the right tone here. This this is boomer bust, I would say, the book of Clarence. So, but James say. Samuel also. I mean, we could have said this not, not ex- with as high stakes, maybe about the harder they fall with like a hip hop western. But I liked it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's has at least a history of merging two things that shouldn't go together well. So there's reason yeah. for optimism. He could. It's possible the cast is here for him. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see is well, what the book of Clarence has in store. We'll move on to Dumb Money, which is probably a safer project. I would say Craig Gillespie by Tanya, Paul Dano, Nick Offerman, Clancy Brown, Seth Rogen, Shailene Woodley, Vincent D'Onofrio. You will never pronounce that name correctly on the first try, will you? Sebastian Stan, Pete Davidson, America Ferreira, Anthony Ramos, Talia Ryder, Mahala Harold. My God. Dumb Money follows the Wall Street chaos after GameStop's stock skyrocketed due to Reddit. GameStop stock. GameStop stock. <laughs> Jesus. Who sold Lots those of... seashells down by that shore is my question. <laughs> Lots of Oscar buzz here for Dumb Money. Love it. Love the buzz. Love the cast. Love Gillespie, who's a producer-director on this, the same as he was for I, Tanya, and the well-received Pam and Tommy miniseries. <laughs> And the polarizingly received Mike Mike Tyson miniseries. So, a couple of hits from him. Big hits there. As far as movies go, this is going to be the biggest offering as a film on his directorial CV since 2021's Cruella. Mm-hmm. And so, Gillespie was at the helm for Cruella. He was at the helm and produced I, Tanya. He's at the helm, and I think he's producing this one as well. Where the hell is Paul Walter Hauser? <laughs> well, that's a good question. That is a good question. Right? Like, you Maybe have Sebastian he's... Stan. You're getting the gang back together. <laughs> he was in the last two movies. Why is Paul Walter Hauser not in this movie? Maybe you have a cameo, or maybe he's too busy. Maybe it's a good thing. How dare you? How dare everyone not wait for Paul Walter Hauser's schedule to clear up, if that's the answer? <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, this this seems like a big short type of crazy excited for this really excited i mean those are tough ones to what made the big short so appealing was the the sorkin script right like the taking this was Was it sorkin Sorkin? it was sorkin-esque if it wasn't sorkin i don't think it was sorkin either sorkin-esque i remember thinking it was sorkin-esque um my my fault there but what's his name was the big short right wasn't that a uh uh, adam mckay adam mckay yeah will ferrell's right hand man there michael lewis i think had a part in that script as well Mm -hmm. but what made that script so successful is the fact that it was Sorkin-esque. It took these overly complex issues that like are either too complicated or too boring for most lay people to deal with and presented them in a clear, concise, entertaining, and still entertaining way. You might have to do the same thing with the stock market in this one. You probably do, because I don't understand it, and right. I, need, I, need to, I need to be hand-helded or hand-holded. <laughs> My pronunciation. I want to hold your hand. 
I need I need my hand helded. Yeah. Because dumb money is uh is is basically all my money in, in real life. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> we'll move on to Sony Pictures Classics. They got a bunch. They got a bunch, but they always acquire a bunch as well later mm-hmm. in the year. And we're starting on a kind of a dour note here. We have Carmen, which is coming out uh, this month, April 21st, and limited. It's a musical. Melissa Barrera as Carmen, Paul Mescal, and Aiden. That's not the disappointing part. This played TIFF last year. Here's the disappointing part. This is sadly not the long-awaited Carmen San Diego biopic or PBS <laughs> Kids Game Show adaptation that my heart was hoping this would be when I first read it. Okay, I did. I didn't read it. No, it's the opera. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, speaking of Oscars, hope Freud's last session. Matthew Good and Anthony Hopkins said on the eve of World War II and towards the end of his life, Freud's last session sees Freud, played by Hopkins, invite iconic author C.S. Lewis for a debate over the existence of God, exploring Freud's unique relationship with his lesbian daughter Anna and Lewis's unconventional romance with his best friend's mother. The film inter weaves past, present, and fantasy, bursting from the confines of Freud's study on a dynamic journey. My goodness. Mm -hmm. But Sony Pictures Classics knows how to play an Anthony Hopkins going crazy movie, I guess. Uh, Sony has three major Oscars contenders here, according to the punditry, Freud's Last Session, the Book of Clarence, and then Dumb Money. So this this is number three, and... I could see it. I could see. Sure. I could see. I could see something like this hitting. It's got the historical gravitas. It's got the big, the big actors. It's got the, the immediacy of. of I mean, I, I don't know if Anthony Hopkins needs another one. <laughs> another Oscar? Point? Is that what you're saying? Right. Well, because he just won one. Uh, honestly, so it, it's not like that level of immediacy. But Matthew, hey, Matthew Good has done some fine work on Downton Abbey and the and the I films, knew. subsequent I films. I uh, knew. Thereof. You couldn't. You just couldn't, could you? You couldn't just let it be. He was also good in Stoker. Can I can I pander to you as well there? I'll tell you this about Anthony Hopkins. I don't know if he needs another Oscar, but I do know he is squarely in the playing someone famous in a fictional conversation with somebody else playing someone famous territory. And yes, I say that having only thought of the two popes and this movie synopsis. So I, I like that we're in that territory for him for his career right now. He can play somebody famous. Yeah, so sure can. Uh, we'll talk a few more Sony Pictures Classics offerings because they acquired a bunch of films at Sundance. A Little Prayer, which was one that I reviewed from Angus McLaughlin of Junebug. Jane Levy's really good in it. David Strathairn is the lead, and he's in, he's incredible. My MVP of A Little Prayer, though, was Celia Weston. I thought good. she deserved some supporting actress buzz. Anna Camp is also very funny in a, in a kooky role. A man tries to protect his daughter-in-law when he finds out his son is having an affair, an intriguing plot, as you've mentioned. Uh, Sony Pictures Classics also uh, acquired Shida, Czar Amir Ibrahimi. It's a showcase for her. The Persian version, which had a really fun script and some great costumes and production design, really authentic to the culture there. And Shortcomings uh, from Randall Park, also starring your favorite stage name in the business, or not, Sherry Cola, Great uh, which was uh, a fun movie that you got to check out at some point. So Sony's Pictures Classics, buying Sony's picture, Sony cl- Pictures Classics. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the grammar. We should episode. start a distribution company called Sony's Picture Classics. We should, yeah, just, we should just get really close to a lot yeah. of famous brands. Yeah. Warner's brother. Warner's brother. 
<laughs> Just count the days until we're sued. Netflix. <laughs> and it's I a protein know. company. <laughs> anyway, Sony's Pictures Classics always got a ton of good stuff. Crunchyroll, as I mentioned, they have Suzume, which is now getting an April 14th release. This is from the director of Your Name, Weathering With You, which are absolutely wow. gorgeous. I'm so excited that Suzume is going to IMAXs. Uh, this, this film has already made $124 million overseas, so it's already a hit. I'm very excited about this one. This could be a low-key animated feature contender there. Weathering With You, one of the all-time great soundtracks. I still have mm. multiple of those on my uh, Spotify playlist to this day. Good, good. Yeah, good movie. And, and Your Name was uh, the better movie, but uh, I, I really liked them both. Move on here to STX. We have Ferrari to start us off. It's a Michael Mann movie. Adam Driver, Shailene Woodley, Penelope Cruz, Jack O'Connell, Patrick Dempsey. The life story of Italian sports car entrepreneur Enzo Ferrari. It's a $90 million budget on this one. So Adam Driver's just going to be playing his House of Gucci character for the rest of his life? <laughs> I've heard a lot of pundits throw shade at Ferrari and throw shade at STX as an Oscars campaigner. And I understand that... It has to be for that reason, right? For the House well, of Gucci similarity? Uh, look, I think maybe there's some adjacency to that, but I don't think adjacency is a word, but I've thrown grammar out the window 15 minutes ago. <laughs> Spencer, the Irishman, Molly's Game, All the Money in the World, those have been the last like STX Oscar contenders where they've had a hand in the co-production mm -hmm. or whatever. So Hustlers is another. Ben is back. Breathe. Okay, they haven't won. Some gotten snubbed at the last possible moment in terms of J-Lo and Hustlers, right? So I get that the pundits are a little shy right now but this is adam driver this is michael mann adam driver's overdue this has still got a chance if he executes it no why wouldn't it a fast cars intriguing life story adam driver hopefully in a mustache again that that usually works for, for i don't most think people. he is you have seen the well uh... then i can't be behind this i i, I, I withdraw my support <laughs> all right it has I... been a minute since michael mann has had a movie that's People say he's been in director's jail since uh, that's the White Hat or what was, was that? The Black, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Black, like Hat. Black Hat, Tokyo Vice, was, which was a TV series. He's done prestige TV that it hasn't even really worked out. But like before Black Hat, we're looking at Public Enemies, which right, was supposed to be a flop. big player that flopped. Miami Vice, which has kind of taken on a second life as like a cult following movie. But really since 04's Collateral, we haven't really mm -hmm. seen Michael Mann really like flex and have a picture that's that blows people's hair away i, I would say i would argue true and i like michael I, like he's a he's a great director obviously absolutely i agree so yeah he's right. due collateral collateral was a great rewatch i did like three it's or four so years good. ago yeah it's still same here damn good it's it's uh, tom cruise that should have been his oscar movie jamie fox tom cruise awesome uh let's move on to warner's brother uh, no. <laughs> That's our, our company in the making. <laughs> Trademark, copyright. All right, so what has WB done thus far in 2023? They have House Party, and they have Magic Mike's Last Dance, which kind of came and went. I mean, you had yeah. one... There was a moment... I forget what I was watching. Literally every commercial was Magic Mike, The Last Dance. It might have mm -hmm. actually been on the Food Network, which is a WB uh, proprietary thing, so that makes sense. But neither one of those movies, House Party nor Magic Mike, did great at the box office. Warners has had several co-productions that did okay, including Knock at the Cabin, Cocaine Bear, and Creed 3, which is up to $245 million on a $75 million budget, even though it's dealing with its fallout, dealing with the Jonathan Majors news stories like we've talked about last episode. 
Yeah, otherwise, Warner Brothers uh, has, a, has a good slate that could be blockbuster fair. We'll see. Evil Dead Rise scheduled for April 21st. The Flash, June 16th. Meg 2, The Trench, uh, August 4th. Blue Beetle, August 18th. The Nun 2, September 8th. And Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom hits theaters on Christmas Day. There were rumors that there was a screening of Aquaman 2 that went disastrously. Hmm. That's not good. Yeah. Just want that on the record. I saw that floating around uh, Twitter a couple weeks ago. Shazam 2. After Shazam 1 was very lucrative. Very mm-hmm. lucrative. Mm-hmm. And we were covering that. Made something like $400 million on a $100 million budget. So that at least should have made something it's there, something, right? Yep. Yep. A little something, something. And, I mean... And, yeah, DC's been... I, I wonder if the announcements by Gunn took the wind out of those sales. What do you think about that? Okay, let's let's do a thought experiment here. In what way? Well, I think if they know that this universe is ending and that they know that this universe okay. is being disconnected, do they ultimately care? Do these people want serialized storytelling? I could see it being that. I could see it just being a... Le- I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot wrong with dc lately pre-gun right even pre-zasloff i mean it wasn't it was kind of disappointing people on on a lot of big offerings even though i've defended walter hamada's approach to the wbdc uh properties there but the dc universe in which shazam exists in hasn't been the most well received lately i would argue black adam didn't do Mm -hmm. as well as it should have and then yeah shazam too they 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 cut out the or they stopped the the Superman, Black Adam, Godzilla versus right. Kong. Right. And, I mean, there's all kinds of, I don't know how in tune the, the general crowd is to stuff, but there's all kinds of mess online between, I would say, some passive aggressiveness, not from The Rock towards Zachary Levi, but certainly from Zachary Levi towards The Rock and kind of feeling shaded mm-hmm. that uh, because Black Adam was supposed to be a Shazam bad guy and it seems like The Rock came in and be like, listen, if I'm going to do this character, he's going up against Superman. He's not going up against Shazam. Uh, kind of reading the tea leaves in that way. I don't know if that affected some people. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of things right now you could point to, a lot, a lot of uh, occurrences that's people aren't excited for the DCEU. Hopefully James Gunn can turn that around. I mean, that's certainly why he was brought in. Right. The Flash is... <laughs> for The Flash to have the best buzz out of all these films is just completely dismaying yeah. and yeah, mind-blowing to me at this stage. Right, I wonder how much uh, press Keaton is going to do. Like, you, you have to. Keaton has to be the focus for the press on that movie, don't you think? Yeah, you would think. You would think. And how much is he <laughs> going to be willing to like go out and and campaign for it? Uh, they have to pivot. I don't know. I I really don't know. It's 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 an impossible task for WB in that regard. But the, by all accounts, they do have a pretty good movie there. By their accounts, they have a good movie. Yeah, right. But by it's our true. accounts, we know the story. It's a good story. It's mm-hmm. a wild story. Mm-hmm. And it's not like WB won't be making money otherwise, too. I mean, we're going to talk about Barbie in a second, but Evil Dead should make a profit at the box office. The right. first Meg did well at the box office, enough to merit a sequel. So, And The Nun is part of the Conjuring universe, and people sure. love showing up for that. So, I'm in. I'm yeah. in for The Nun. All right. Uh, 
Yeah, otherwise we get we got some Oscary, more Oscary fare, I'd say. Let's talk about Barbie. The debut for that is coming July 21st, same day as Oppenheimer, which we've talked about. There's the most unique double feature in the history of cinema. Mm-hmm. Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig, written by Noah Baumbach. Maybe you've heard of them. Barbie stars Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Ariana Greenblatt, Helen Mirren, Will Ferrell's in this, Rhea Perlman, Emma Mackey, Simu Liu, Michael Cera, America Ferreira, Alex. I mean, this is a, a Kingsley Benadir, Emerald Fennell. It's a huge cast. It's a huge movie. To live in Barbie land is to be a perfect being in a perfect place unless you have a full-on existential crisis or you're a Ken is the synopsis for this one. That's a fun premise. Yeah. I give a, you know, they don't need a fun premise. They could just say it's Barbie the movie. Right. And people would go see it, right. you know, hundreds of millions of times over. But I'm intrigued by that premise and they're going to dive right into the image crisis here around the toys so that 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 seems like a moral way to attack the film and and i it shouldn't be a difficult story for gerwig and bomb back to execute with them with them in 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 the in the picture right i have no doubt that this is going to be a financial success and probably a critical one too so no i would agree it's it's you know it lends itself well to that storytelling and those are two more than capable people to tell that story is this going to be an Oscars player like everyone seems to think it is? I, I can't get there with that. They have a floor, though, don't they? Don't they have a floor of costumes? Don't they have a floor of costumes Fair and point. production design being in being in the uh, conversation for those two? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, big six, though, you think? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, is Gosling a supporting actor? Is You think I mean, Ken uh, is going to be the... <laughs> lead actor in a barbie movie <laughs> well right so if he's a supporting actor maybe 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 he's hilarious it's a good point he does look hilarious we've he seen still some that yeah i mean he is like the the you know the the end of the premise there so uh, obviously margot robbie needs a win i i just want her to have a win because the suicide squad that wasn't her fault that that would have been a big hit in theaters i think if it came out in theaters i agree. Uh, was able to at the time right i mean it was pandemic days and it did well for hbo max i think babylon she was the best actor in the film Mm -hmm. according to the both of us Mm -hmm. without question you know if they put a little put a little editing on that movie for christ's sake it could have been much more palatable maybe take away the pp on the (laughs) pp on the people (laughs) scenes you hear people talk about Margot Robbie too, and the, nobody has anything but glowing things. Like I was just watching an interview with Damien Dasmalkian, and he was singing her praises about how she's a real leader on set and a true Good. role model and all this stuff. So uh, you could absolutely see why she is treated the way she is and put in the prestige slot that she is over and over again. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is going to be a win for her. I have no doubt. Like, what's the worst this does at the box office? Four hundred million. Budget is. Yeah, you're right. It, it has to make money. It has to. I would think, right. right? I would. Have uh, to, I mean, girl, every every girl, guy, little kid, mothers and sons and fathers and daughters are going to go to this. Yeah, it's it's got to have that crossover appeal. Well, we're hoping for it. And we're hoping it's an Oscars player too. That would be fun. Uh, in terms of the next big WB Oscars player, the color purple. December. Yeah, I'm surprised this is being redone, but it is, and it's getting a, a huge holiday release too on a WB slate, which tells you how they see it and feel about it december 20th holly bailey who you will know uh as the little mermaid is in this as well as taraji p henson louis gossett jr coleman domingo ingenue ellis Corey hawkins sierra david allen greer john batiste uh blitz 
Baswell is the director of this. This is a musical adaptation of Alice Walker's novel about the lifelong struggles of an African-American woman living in the South during the early 1900s. The original Color Purple, done by Spielberg in the 80s, obviously. Uh, the 11-time Oscar-nominated film made a huge impact back then. Uh, that's why I say I'm surprised this one is being redone and getting kind of a, an updated look. Somebody at Little Gold Men predicted... The Color Purple for Best Picture. I feel like Corey Hawkins has been knocking on the Oscars door for a while. The Tragedy of Macbeth and The Heights, straight out of Compton, have all been very strong performances for him. Obviously, we know Anjanoon Ellis from uh, the uh, King oh God, the Williams. King Richard, thank you. Uh, performance there nominated. Uh, Taraji P. Henson, she's been knocking on the door in the past, and I wonder if she can break through. Taraji, Fantasia, and... Uh, Sierra, me. it's got to be Sierra. Danielle Brooks, Danielle oh, okay. Brooks. So I forgot to mention because I had I had them written down here. Danielle Brooks, Fantasia, and Taraji P Henson. They are in the Whoopi Goldberg, uh, excuse me, the Oprah, Whoopi Goldberg, and Margaret Avery roles from 1985's uh, version. Obviously, these this is a musical. This is the Broadway. That's why adaptation. I said it has to be Sierra because if this is going full musical, like the uh, synopsis suggests, I mean, Taraji P Henson, Fantasia. And Sierra, I mean, the voices on on some of this cast is insane. Right, uh, John Patisse yeah. is here. Her, her is in the film. Uh, wow. Her, yeah. So this is this is a series. There, you're gonna have some voice talent like crazy. So we'll see. We'll see if this if this lands. It's at a perfect time for that late breaker spot. Um, we'll have to wait and see when they you know schedule right. next year's Oscars. But uh, costume, gonna... original song, production design, right? If there's an original song, which there probably is, yeah, uh, that would no make doubt. some sense. Yeah. So those are three categories it's Oscar nominated for already. And then it's performances. <laughs> performances, yeah. there's likely to be a breakout there. Like there, I said, would, I mean, the first one, not not a musical, obviously, but it was, uh, it, it landed 11 nominations all, all up and down the card. The only thing, I am not familiar with Blitz Bazawool. I apologize. I am not familiar with his work or his CV. Did Black is know. King cherish the day, which was a TV series? The Burial of Kojo, uh, nothing. I'm 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 all that familiar with, uh, at least as a director. So, well, shout out to WB then. They're yeah. taking, uh, you know, they're they're taking a, a lesser known director and giving them a great big project. Sure, so that's huge. Absolutely. Uh, we do have, you know, we do have adapted screenplay in the mix there. I would yeah, guess sure. as well. Yep. Yeah. Color Purple's a, a got a shot. Big one. Big player there, and a big player in Dune Part 2 as well. Denis Villeneuve, uh, Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> Zendaya, Zendaya, Javier Bardem, Rebecca Ferguson, Austin Butler joins the cast in Dune Part 2. Florence Pugh as well, Dave Bautista, Leia Seydoux, Stellan Skarsgård, Charlotte Rampling, Tim Blake, and then Tim Blake Nelson? <laughs> <laughs> this plot premise worries me though a boy becomes the messiah of nomads on the desert planet that has giant worms that protect a commodity called spice spice changes people into travelers mystics and madmen what price will he pay to become the new ruler of their universe did somebody ask denis to write the premise for this <laughs> it seems like he got his premise through and he's trying to do some story some storytelling in there exposition dumping in there what the hell is with that premise i mean where do you go after the first one though right don't you have to be bigger and bolder and 
crazier. I liked Dune Part 1 much more than I liked this novel or obviously the David Lynch movie. I did I not like Dune Part 1. Despised. I despised the, those other two adaptations, Michael, yeah. or the, the, the novel and the adaptation, the first one. Mm-hmm. I have not seen like the TNT series going back, but Dune, Dune Part One was okay in that regard. But we didn't. We were one of the few yeah. dissenters. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty to look at, and you kind of we we were more offended that Villeneuve was overlooked as a director, right? Because of how many like how many different pieces of the orchestra he was playing as director to have something that technical come together in the way it did. Costumes, VFX, sound, editing, even. I, and I remember predicting it, and I was, I was right. Cinematography, all of those were like, we were thumbs up on all of those. Uh, but yeah, we had issues with the story of Doom Part 1. We're one of the few people yeah. to stand out on that. And it has not gone well for us. Uh, the, the film Twitter was not <laughs> As things us. usually don't. I think most people were most upset with us for not liking Dune Part 1. Like, we've been, we've taken some heat before. I, t- I think I took the most heat. Do you think Dune so? Part. You think that was the biggest one? Oh, I mean, even from my family and friends. Like, how did you not like that movie? What the F is wrong with you? People were very upset with me. And you wonder why I don't watch more movies. (laughs) Well, we want Dune Part One won six Oscars, uh, the the several that I mentioned, ten Oscar noms overall, including picture, makeup, and hair costumes, and adapted. Will we like this one? Will we ride the worm (laughs) every night, twice on Sundays? (laughs) Wait a minute, that didn't come out right. It came out perfectly. I'm hoping I like this one. Austin Butler and Florence Pugh join the cast. Obviously, going to get more Batista. How much work do you think Florence Pugh did on this movie? Because she had to get back to set so quickly from last year's Cannes Film Festival. She better be in every scene, right? <laughs> she couldn't For possibly. Venice, Venice, that, yeah. Was it Venice? I couldn't remember. I took a shot, but she couldn't possibly stick around. <laughs> had to get back to the Dune 2 set. Had to. Had to. Anyway, that uh, do you think Dune Part 2 gets like that natural impulse from the from the zeitgeist and certainly from the Academy to say, Oh, we got to award this one. It's coming out at the perfect time. Isn't it? Look at all the freaking, uh, big money sequels that just got huge representation at last year's Oscars. I wonder if Denis Villeneuve is like the safest bet to get a nominee on this one. Wouldn't you think? I would have said, yeah, but like for the love of God, what more does he have to do than what he did two years ago with the first Dune? To get recognized, well, do you as believe in? Do you believe in my theory of snub powers? Does do you he have... believe in love after love? <laughs> <laughs> the temptation is saying that right now. I will not. Uh, so do, you're asking, do I believe that because he was overlooked the first time, there's going to be more of an inclination to vote for him this time? Yeah, because we we were saying that Glenn Close after the wife could just come out in thick Coke bottle glasses, <laughs> half dressed. Just stubbing her toe in the next film. Didn't we say this? That's going to be Sunset Boulevard, I believe, but yes. No, it became Hillbilly Elegy, and we were uh, correct. She could do uh, anything in the next movie and would get nominated for it no matter what. Boy, thank God Netflix adapted that, too, because otherwise we may have a decent senator from Ohio. Um, I think snub powers are real. <laughs> I, the, I tell you what, Mike. Honest to God, the more I talked, and we, the more we do MMO and I study the Academy, the less I know about it. 
because I when we <laughs> I, and that's not I mean I don't even say that to be funny. When we started MMO, I was like, I got the academy down, I got it figured out. It's a it's a monolith. They all think the same. But the more people we talk to, and the more years that go by, and the more we we look at the results of what happens, and like really intricately study this shit, I have nobody, no I have no freaking idea. Nobody knows nothing. I don't know if nobody anyone. Knows I don't know if the voters even talk to each other unless they're getting together for an Andrea Riesborough screening. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, yeah, it's keeping us on our toes. It makes sense. Like I would, I would tend to think, yes, you're right. It makes logical sense. That would be the path that happens. But who knows? Like, I would have bet minus three hundred, minus five hundred odds that Villeneuve would have been at least DGA nominated last time around for doing one. Yeah, and he yeah. wasn't. Anyway, I, that would be my bet right now. Safest director nominee. I somehow. hope you're right. I mean, for the love of God, he deserves it. So, Speaking of Timothy Chalamet, he's got another film uh, for next December. Wonka, uh, the 15th, is when it's due out. Olivia Coleman, Sally Hawkins, Rowan Atkinson, Keegan-Michael Key, Matt Lucas, and Jim Carter also star. The story will focus specifically on a young Willy Wonka and how he met the Oompa Loompas on one of his earliest adventures. All right, color me concerned. The town slash Matt Bellany there. They recounted, in one of the funnier back and forths, some very bad buzz. Oh, really? In a test screening. I didn't and even I read that. think there's some reshoots that happened. I don't know. Like, maybe, again, I'm just deferring to our betters there. Uh, that is a better podcast. God damn it. Bellany's <laughs> very good. He's Bat- very, well, he's very I'm good. I'm going to scream his name like Khan. We, we got to uh, get him on. We, I keep Captain. saying this every time it comes out, but every time his nah. name comes up, we got to get him on. No, we just got to keep talking about All it. All right. So. Well, we'll do that then. Screw him. All right. We'll anyway, fight him. Uh, he's, too, he's too good. Playground, damn. 3 p.m. You and us, Matt. Yeah, but he's the, you know, he's he is an insider right now. He's pretty damn good. I, I can't. I, I, he's he's an example of once his podcast comes out, I'm clicking play immediately on the town. The, I don't know about uh, his, you, news, his newsletter is is gripping. I mean, I'm not even subscribed to the whole thing, but like he had something about the academy changing. The academy basically is attacking Netflix. It sounds like from what he's hearing in his latest newsletter, and that's something we'll talk about in the future. But it yeah. sounds like the academy might be uh, going forward with if you want to be nominated for best picture, you have to have a substantial theatrical run first. Wow. And that's news that he broke. I think it was just last night, as a matter of fact. But yeah, he's great. Bellany's great. Um, Not great is apparently Walker early screenings, which I did not know about. I just, based on this premise and based on what I've seen from stills and stuff, this sounds like, oh boy, who wants this movie? You would think the Oompa Loompas would be the the part of the story that you would back away from. Because <laughs> that's the most yeah. effed up part. Fair point. You know? Fair point. Yeah, maybe... Maybe, Maybe we don't not... give them an origin story. The, these little yeah. orange slaves. <laughs> right. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, maybe, but they are. So. Yeah, that's uh oh boy. I mean, we could be, I'll tell you what, if you're that worried and I'm that worried, we'll, we'll take swells temperature, but that may be the movie we all share in our uh, top 10 most feared. <laughs> oh, it's in my, yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably gotta yeah. be. We always yeah. have one but movie we've... every year. We've missed on those in the past. Didn't we do Elvis last year? And didn't we do? Um, didn't we do? Uh, oh my goodness, the uh, the big musical from Spielberg, West Side Story, the year before that. We were right about West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> well, not for for Oscars. No, no, no. Were no, no, no. Mm-hmm. I, there's no world in which I can be convinced we were wrong about that. All right, we got to move on to <laughs> IFC. IFC has had some 
intriguing releases already this year. Uh, they had the experimental horror film Skinamarink, which I think was a financial success because it was made for like ten grand. Uh, <laughs> well, according to your review, all they needed was a wall and a human. They just pointed the camera <laughs> at the wall and had a little kid run around in the background uh-huh. for, for two hours. Yeah. And people loved it. I don't understand. That was like one of the – I thought – I had some serious doubts about myself at that moment. Like <laughs> everybody loves this movie on Twitter. All right. Why? Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there just in agony. Just give me some story. <laughs> just one shot of a wall after the next one. Yeah. But there's a couple good jump scares. So I'll give it that. What was your anyway. production budget? Twenty two fifty. Give him credit for that. I'm not a big experimental horror fan. I realize after Skinnamarink and Any Smain. Yeah, doesn't sound like that's your niche. Those two. I'll be honest with you. I uh, just not my jam. Yeah. Anyway, I do love IFC. I still subscribe to AMC Plus belligerently just because I'm not watching them as much on there. But for Shutter and IFC, I have to watch. A lot of stuff on there. Stephen Frears' The Lost King is uh, another IFC release that's in theaters right now with Sally Hawkins that we have been previewing forever, Michael. I don't know if I'm going to make make it there this weekend. Too much going on, but I do want to see that. It's been a minute since uh, we've heard from Sally Hawkins, too. She's always good in everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Always. I've never been let down by her performance. She's going to dig up a former king of England in that movie. You can probably make love to him in a bathtub. Uh, After hallucinating about him, God, I for did most not like of the Shape movie. of Water. <laughs> she was good in it. She though. was good, and Shape of Water was fine. It was fine. It was good. Know, don't come for me. <laughs> IFC also has Paint, which is, I mean, you want to feel like you're on all kinds of hallucinogens. Watch that preview and realize yeah. you're in reality. Owen Wilson mm-hmm. as uh, the Bob Ross character there. That comes out April seventh. It's based on Bob Ross's life. He's just painting literally the same place over and over again and like heals him and it's great and it's like touching and I'm sure it's the greatest movie ever made. It is surreal to watch that preview though. It made for a harrowing documentary, the Bob Ross Mm -hmm. story. Owen Wilson's an odd casting in in every sense but the spiritual. I would say the spiritually he kind of fits and his tone of voice maybe. Owen Wilson being cast as Bob Ross is something you would see from like an old mad TV sketch. It would be somebody playing Owen Wilson, painting Bob Ross, and just going, wow, over and over again. They're just going to be staring at the hair, though, no? Yeah, probably. Because to to the actor, the face, none of that has to matter, I would think. (laughs) Anyway, IFC, they they do a lot in terms of acquisitions, and they got RMN from last year's Cannes and the New York Film Festival, where I saw Christian Munju's uh, story there he's a former Palme d'Or winner uh, as a Romanian director and that is an intense satirical drama about xenophobia it packs a wallop it is you know some storytelling that that will wow you in the final scene so I, I recommend RMN it's obviously got some trigger warnings because you're dealing with you know you're dealing with some bad characters I would say mm-hmm. but uh, yeah it was, that's, the thing with I, IFC is they've only announced like their spring slate thus far for the most part because they they go nuts and they acquire a lot of stuff. They also they have some hits though, no doubt. And another one that's a title that let me down, Monica, starring Tracy Lizette, Patricia Clarkson, and Emily Browning. That's coming out May twelfth. It's getting strong reviews since it debuted at Venice. It is not the Monica Lewinsky biopic, so that's two for two now between Carmen and Monica, which are not things that I think they should be based mm. only on their title and nothing else. 
the intimate portrait of a woman who returns home to care for her dying mother, a delicate and nuanced story of a fractured family. The story explores universal themes of abandonment, aging, acceptance, and redemption. It's very similar to what you, I mean, other than the caring for the dying mother part. You could have had that. Uh, remember Diane a couple years ago? That indie film that was really good? I don't yeah. even know if you ever got to it. Did you ever get to that? You I kept saying I how did. you want to see it. But yeah, that's... I believe I... I'm trying to remember if that's... It, it was Andrea Riseborough in that? No, that's Nancy. Yeah, oh, God. Wasn't no, I don't think I got to Diane. Okay. Uh, similar similar theme, though, but this one, Monica carrying a 91% early on Rotten Tomatoes as well. Uh, Monica raises the bar for trans stories on screen, and Lizette takes her rightful place as its muse. That's from June awesome. Dry of IndieWire. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of buzz for Monica since, since Venice, so this was good. Blackberry is there too. And I mean, for two guys who were raised and just bred on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like you and I have been, we have to see this, right? Glenn Howerton is going to be in charge. Glenn Howerton, who actually shaved his entire head for this role, except for the monk sideband part. No, I can't wait. I love IFC. They they always they always get me. Uh, the meteoric rise and the catastrophic demise of the world's first smartphone. Howerton is uh, beside Jay Baruchel and Carrie Elways. One hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes already. May twelfth. Got, got a lot of uh, positive press. Uh, probably not an Oscars player, but just like I said, I mean, this is what IFC does. They just take really really fun, really good independent movies. And they throw them at you uh, a lot at a time throughout the year. And we have, in that vein, Hot Milk, directed by the screenwriter of She Said, Rebecca Lankowicz. It's a 2016 novel by British author Deborah Levy. It follows the story of Mother Rose and daughter Sophia, who embark on a journey to a Spanish clinic in search of a medical cure for Rose's paralysis. Lankowicz always uh, taken on the heaviest of subject yeah. matter, but... Uh... She can do it, as she's proven, mm-hmm. as she said. Uh, Mubi is actually going to have some international distribution rights for Hot Milk. Uh, so that's how we'll transition to our final company of the day. Mubi has been distributing some excellent in- international films, a lot of the best international feature Oscars category contenders and shortlisted films over the last uh, few years. Uh, they they have them in some markets. Decision to Leave was, of course, their big play here stateside, and I've rewatched that several times on my movie subscription. The big uh, contender that they're going to have for next year is Passages, which is about two men who've been together for 15 years, and what happens when one of them has an affair with a woman? Frank Rogowski, Ben Wishaw, and Adele X. Archopolis star. And obviously we'll have to wait and see what else movie acquires, but... They went at Sundance and got passages for for a decent number, and they've had some big international plays of late, Michael. So, got to keep an eye out for Mubi. Mubi is, I mean, apart from them being the uh, sponsor of uh, a lot of uh, our buddy Izzy's their videos on Be Kind sure. Rewind and smart on them for getting on that train. But uh, Mubi is like the Criterion Network if you don't want to pay for the Criterion Network to me. It's a lot of just like low key, overlooked, maybe underrated titles from a lot of filmmakers you know that you may not otherwise even realize were you know exist i feel like you know i've been going to new york film festival since i was younger Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of the movies that i've missed there are on movie right now and then they're all on my queue on amazon prime and I, i i do i do connect with them uh once in a while my brother and i keep getting together and doing a park chan wook rewatch and we're gonna watch sympathy for mr vengeance pretty soon which is a movie movie uh film and yeah there's a bunch 
there's a bunch of movies that uh, are, are very intriguing. And I usually, you, you're never going to get a movie that, uh, you may get a disappointing film, but you're never going to mo- get a movie that is not entertaining on there. They're always going to put some some intriguing international play there on movies. Yeah. Uh, co-sign that and that is going to wrap it up for this episode ifc movie wb sony all in our crosshairs for this one and we will move on in episode four in the year in preview we will have a uh, universal focus in our crosshairs neon magnolia bleaker street and some unacquired titles before we uh, wrap up in a separate episode with netflix before we talk about movies we fear with amanda before we talk about a box office preview with eric before we finally uh, sometime, I don't know, mid-August maybe, give you our 100% accurate uh, way-too-early Oscars picks. But the beauty of that is that by the time we're done with this year in preview series, those picks won't be way too early at all. They won't be way too early, but they also might be 90% accurate now. <laughs> I don't know if the branding works. Because the further in the year we get, the less accurate That's we That's true. Get That's a good point. I'm rattled. That's I'm rattled point. after last year. We have to start doing these in January maybe from now. Maybe that'll be the first episode. <laughs> Just going blind and start naming things. Uh, but as always, dear listener, what matters most to us are your thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns. What are you looking most forward to? What are you most scared of seeing? And, and what do you hope has some Oscars legs from any of the movies we talked about in this or any of the previous year in preview episodes? As well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire, as always, you can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you listen to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, if you appreciate what we do here, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, we kind of previewed the previews coming up. Uh, what else do you have, and what's some words of wisdom to end on? New Directors, New Films. It is a film festival going on right now at Lincoln Center and with the Museum of Modern Art. If you are in the New York City area or you can take a train in like I will next weekend, go check out the festival. These are you know, very modestly priced tickets, $12, $15, 12 if you're a member at, at Film at Lincoln Center. And this is my old stomping grounds, and I've been going to this festival for a while as well. So words of wisdom, check it out. I had a great time last year. I'm, I'm going again next weekend. There you go. Uh, new direct- You had fun. You went to that one last year too, right? Mm. Yeah. I had fun at Exactly that what I just said. I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Well, <laughs> you know. You're going to re-listen when you're editing. You're I don't want you to hear shit from you coming from me when I don't listen to you, when you never listen to anything I say. We both do. We both do. We both do the same thing. Anyway, we write down a lot of cool stuff. We got to get to it. We got to get to it. Now I'm scared to say anything (laughs) transition-wise. I I literally... People, you run it back. Rewind it. Hit that that 15-second thing twice. You'll hear me say this. Exact thing, and then Mike says, the "Yeah, exact same thing." I got caught up in a story I was reading about. I'm sorry. Uh, guys, when reality sucks, you can repeat the same stuff with us and keep going with this year and preview series. Hopefully, putting a smile on your face as well. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See ya. <laughs>